Welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle, a podcast for midlife moms who want to make the next season of life their best one yet. I am your host, Jenny Gwynn. You might find yourself transitioning into a new phase of life as your children become more independent or leave the nest. Mama, I am here to tell you that your life isn't over. You simply have new opportunities ahead of you. After years of pouring your heart and soul into raising your family, it is your turn to reconnect with yourself. In this podcast, we will talk about the joys and challenges of midlife. You will be inspired to rediscover your God-given purpose or to dust off old dreams and make them a reality. You'll learn how to navigate relationships with your adult children, to reconnect in your marriage, or focus on your health by being more active or finally losing the weight you've struggled with for years. Whatever this next season of life brings, this podcast will equip and encourage you to be happy, healthy, and holy. Hey friends, welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle. Today, I am so excited about our topic and about the guest that I have joining me. Today, I have um, Dr. Bob Schutz. Welcome, Dr. Bob. Thank you, Jenny. Good to be with you. Thank you. Gary and I encountered Dr. Bob a couple of years ago when we attended um, a conference called Healing the Whole Person. We had seen the conference, and we traveled up to Bowling Green and spent the weekend going through this conference. And there were so many amazing aha moments. There was so much healing that took place. And interestingly enough, for both Gary and I, a lot of the healing took place in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And it was so beautiful. And so ever since then, we have followed Dr. Bob's ministry, the JP2 Healing Center. We've gone down for some prayer ministry in the Nashville area. There's an opportunity to attend one of his conferences coming up in September, and we will talk more about that. But I am honored to have Dr. Bob come on the show this week to talk about his ministry and what healing looks like today, what's possible with healing and how actually there's so much more possible with healing than we realize or that the church um, talks about normally. So, Dr. Bob, will you talk about your ministry? Yes, we, we started, well, first of all, my background is a marriage and family therapist and also a teacher at the college level. And over the years, as I was working with different parts of the church, I've always been involved in ministry within the church over the years. And as I worked with priests and religious sisters and brothers and lay people, married couples, uh, I went through this transformation in my work of incorporating more and more of the power of the Holy Spirit to heal people uh, emotionally, physically, and went down to Brazil for a trip with a ministry called Global Awakening and saw and encountered a tremendous amount of healing. Plus, in the United States, being in different circles, like Steubenville Conferences under Bishop Sam Jacobs, and, and just seeing the power of God to heal. And all of that really began to change the way that I practiced. And that eventually led into the beginning of this ministry. I never intended to start the John Paul II Healing Center the other piece of that was the influence of John Paul II and his writings and his understanding of the human person, his desire to see the transformation of the ch in the ch midst of the church, 
center of the church, the heart of it. And all of that together led several people who had been seeing the work we were doing. We were already working with seminarians and doing conferences with Theology of the Body and doing training for Steubenville conferences. All of that kind of came together and people said, we really need to offer this to the larger church. And uh, so we've been doing that for the last 14, 15 years as John Paul II Healing Center. And uh, we offer conferences and resources, books and talks, just to invite people into their healing journey with Jesus, just to, to restore family life, to restore the church, to restore uh, every person in, in the way that God intended, which is so much of the teaching of John Paul II. Uh, he said, Jesus came to reveal God to us and us to ourselves. And, and so it's Jesus really brings us alive in his life. And, and that's a lot of what healing is. Absolutely. And as we read the Gospels, we hear about the miracles and the, the healings and the deliverances and the, the inner healings that um, Jesus performs throughout the entire Gospels. And I'm always drawn that it doesn't say he healed a few people or he healed here and there. It will say Jesus healed everyone. And that healing was available to everyone, no matter their background, no matter their sins, no matter how far they strayed off the path, healing was possible for them. And, and I don't know if you see this as you lead the conferences and talk with other people, but sometimes I think it's easy to look at the Gospels from the perspective of it happening in the past, almost like reading it like we read history books in school. This happened in the past instead of reading it as possible in the present moment. Yeah, I think we tend to do that. I think part of that's the effect of the Enlightenment in the Western civilization even though that was a good thing, we've become very rational and we've downplayed the power of God. Even during the Enlightenment, they, they got rid of those scriptures because they didn't believe they thought it was not true. They thought it was legend. But you look through the whole history of the church and every era, there's always been this healing ministry. And at this point in time in history, there is more healing taking place through the power of God point in human history. And I think we're blind to it most of the time. We don't see it. We don't hear it. Once your eyes are open to it, you begin to see it everywhere. At our conferences, we, we ask people at the end how many people received some level of spiritual, emotional, psychological, physical healing. And if people experienced each of those. And about 90% of the people raised their hand. Absolutely. Uh, so it's something that we expect when you, when you have faith in what Jesus wants to do, you have an expectation that he's going to do it in some way, not be exactly how we envision it, in some way that's going to be transformative to that person. You wrote a book called Be Healed, and it's a guide to encountering the powerful love of Jesus in your life. In the very first chapter, I love the title. It says, Do You Want to Be Healed? You would just assume that everyone wants to be healed, that everyone desires that. Why do you think people are hesitant to be healed, or maybe they avoid or resist healing? Yeah, well, 
Just to start with, that question was the question Jesus asked the man at the pool of Bethesda who had been there for something like 38 years. Uh, and it's kind of alarming. You know, he's sitting next to this healing pool, uh, but he, he doesn't get there. You know, kind of like if somebody's sitting next to the water of Lords but doesn't get in the water because he's crippled and he can't. And so Jesus asked him that question. So you would think that was an odd question. And it's an odd question for us because all of us at some level want to be healed. We want to be whole. We want to be alive. We want to be free. But I think there's barriers in us, whether those barriers are hopelessness, because while we've been living with this for so long, it's not going to happen, or unbelief, like, I don't believe that you can do this, Jesus. Or maybe a bigger reason for all of us is We've formed our identity and we've gotten in some level of control of our life. We think it's control. It isn't. But we, we think we're just learned how to manage our life this way. And we're afraid to open up to the possibility of being different. I've, I've run across so many people who have a hard time. Again, I see this. So a hard time of letting go of what was. And what is currently my comfort level to be open to what's possible, what God might want to do right now. And it's it just uh, unnerving to us to not be in control so many times. Right. When we talk about healing, I think it's easy. When I think of healing and when I first started doing this work and attended the first conferences, I think it's easy to have this picture of healing, and I don't know how to say this the right way, but thinking about maybe the TV evangelist that you would see on TV on Sunday mornings years ago in my childhood, and the healings, they seemed questionable. You know, there was a lot of drama and doubt about those, and there were lots of people who were healed. But there was also maybe some um, dramatics or things that were put on to make things seem like more than they were. So I think it create, created doubt for a lot of people about healing and can Jesus really heal? But as we talk about healing, it's more than just physical healing. And you talked about it earlier when you said at your conferences, people have, I'm sure, physical healings, but also more important and what Jesus did as he was healing, it was psychological and emotional and spiritual. Will you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and it's so much in who Jesus is. We talk about the conferences that Jesus' name means God's salvation or God's healing, that Jesus came to restore us to wholeness. So even if we have some kind of physical healing in this life, which is really makes a big difference. We're still going to die at some point. Uh, but whatever spiritual healing we receive, whatever psychological healing we receive, that's something that continues to live on for eternity. And so it's actually the, the deeper, more important healing that we all need. And you mentioned the healing at Conference of Confession. And we go to confession all the time, but it's the way that we prepare our hearts and are open to really be honest with ourselves in the deeper places of the heart that allow that spiritual healing to go deeper and deeper. And so, so many times people, for example, will go to confession with a, with a chronic sin and 
they have a, a level of hopelessness that this is going to be able to be healed or, you know, be freed from, or they may carry the shame even though they've been forgiven. And so there's healing both at the level of the forgiveness, but there's also healing at the level of the hopelessness. And, the and sometimes that healing can free us in a deeper way, not in a deeper way, because there's nothing more powerful than Jesus forgiving our sins, in a way that, that gives our heart greater freedom. It gives us freedom from the pattern of sin. Absolutely. And as I work with midlife moms, that's the, the group of women I do a lot of coaching and spiritual walks with, one of the things that comes up is shame. Being in midlife, you've had lots of life experiences and and experienced lots of blessings, but there's also been pain and there's been um, suffering. There's been mistakes. And sometimes we carry that baggage with us. And so it's shame for actions in the past, but there's also unworthiness. You know, even though I, I talk with moms all the time, they've raised a family and their children are independent. They have built this beautiful home. They've accomplished so much in their career, but underneath all of that, it's never enough. And it's not like they need more possessions. Most of them just feel unworthy, like they should have done more. They're never satisfied or they never feel approved for who they are. Do you see that in the conferences, that unworthiness? Oh, yeah. I, we all experience it in a unique way, but that's a universal experience. It's one of the things John Paul II said was that the moment of the fall, we see this in the book of Genesis, the moment in the fall when they took their eyes off of God unto themselves, shame came into the world. Mm. And we can have shame from our sin, which is if you will, a healthy kind of shame because it leads us to repentance. Uh, but it's not healthy to keep that shame after we've repented and asked for forgiveness. But we can also have shame, as you're saying, in a sense of deep sense of unworthiness. Maybe the ways that we came to understand ourselves as a child, the way we were treated, the way that our peers treated us, uh, particular sin patterns got into not being a, a good enough parent or a good enough friend or whatever that might be, not feeling like I love God enough or or well enough. And shame is the, the sense of that unworthiness. And it's exactly the work that Jesus came to do. And you see it all the way through the Gospels. You see it with Matthew. You see it with the woman caught in adultery. You see it with Zacchaeus. You see it all over how Jesus encounters people with his love. And as people experience the love of God in the very place where they hold on to the shame, one of two things happens. Either the shame blocks the reception of love or the love comes in and dispels the shame. That two can't coexist together. And so shame really becomes a barrier to love. And when we have a healing of that shame, when we're able to experience God's love and affirmation in those places where we've held on to shame, it changes dramatically our capacity to give and receive love. As people are listening to this who may be thinking, how do you let go of shame? How can you be healed of shame? So what are the ways that you help people or you guide them to release the shame or to renounce it? 
Well, I think the first part of it is what you do with your moms is if you help them face it, you help them talk about it, you help them look at it uh, and name it. And then the rest, in, and for us as a, as a conference and the way that we do the conferences is just giving words to express it. Like, what do you feel? Do you feel unworthy? you feel dirty? you feel shameful? you feel bad? you feel unlovable? you feel ugly? What are, what are the ways you see yourself in that shame? And then we invite the Holy Spirit to show us where that's rooted. Like, where did I, where did I first begin to f- experience shame in that area? And then praying for Jesus to encounter us there, which he answers that prayer in so many beautiful and expected ways. And, and so we know it's not just our imagination. There's ways in which Jesus is touching that and freeing us. And so confession can be one of those ways. But just a simple prayer of going to the roots of that shame and praying for the healing of that shame can, can lift it and really bring a lot of freedom to our hearts. When the pain and suffering happen or when sin is happening or maybe when we've experienced wounds that we take Jesus out of the equation, we think that he's not there. And one of the things that I try to stress to the women that I work with and anyone is that Jesus is always there. He's always present. And when we see him encountering um others in the gospel, it's usually at their lowest point. You know, like the man at the pool or Zacchaeus. It's not once they're free from the sin or the pain and suffering. He meets them in the sin and the pain and suffering. And that's where he will meet you and I. That's where he will meet others. And he was there at the time that the pain, suffering, and the sin happened. And he's there now to help heal. That's, I mean, that's a truth that he promised himself. We'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you always. And yet, in our experience, as you're saying, there's so many times where we don't believe that he was there. We, don't, we didn't experience him there. Or we turned away our own heart to protect ourselves. And, you know, one of the things in my counseling practice is I would work with people and pray with them. I would help them get in touch with those places where they felt this event happened to them. Maybe it was a sexual abuse or a divorce or something, and they felt so helpless and so alone and wondering where Jesus is and why God could let this happen. And so sometimes the first thing that has to happen is just for the freedom to feel that anger or that hurt or that confusion. Those are, those are also part of the wounding. And then always, uh, if somebody's open to walk through that, there's a way that, that they can experience Jesus in the midst of that. Sometimes there's an excavation of the heart, if you will, to get to the place where we can really look at it and face it and feel what we've experienced, maybe even the anger that we had or that feeling of abandonment experience. Right. And as we're talking about this, in your book, you talk about trauma. And I think trauma is a word that's thrown around a lot. We hear it, um, and maybe it's just me and the field that I'm in, but there's a lot of talk about trauma and what trauma looks like. And you say in your book, when traumas are left untended, they create wounds in our souls that can eventually harm our bodies and spirits in significant ways. 
These wounds become part of our everyday language and reveal the effects of sin in our lives. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because when it happens to us by the hands of someone else, it's how we internalize it and how it appears in our lives. Yeah. So one of the things we talk about, this is from a a book called, or a, a model called The Life Model. We identify two types of trauma. Type A trauma is the absence of the things that we need. That don't We don't experience them in the moment as trauma, but they're the absence of the good things we need, like love and tenderness and discipline and somebody to see and hear us and know us. So we don't often think about that as trauma because it's not a big event, but it's more of a chronic situation. And then there's the type B trauma they talk about, which is the bad things that happen to us, you know, the really painful, the death of somebody we've loved, or a sexual abuse, or a verbal abuse, or maybe even a car accident. And both of those traumas impact us. You know, we're, we're, we're finding out a lot in our research now, our, our neuroscience, of, of the impact of that and the way that our bodies hold that trauma. Uh, the way that our minds hold that trauma. And it's all stored in our bodies, our souls. But what what contains that is the way that we then interpret those events and come to form an identity out of those events. So, you know, we were talking before about, so let's say somebody had an experience of being sexually abused, very traumatic experience. And there's a lot of damage that's done in that but one of the damages is the shame that gets taken in like because of what's happened to me i'm tainted or i'm bad or i'm dirty long after the event the body can hold on to that the mind can hold on to that and we can hold on to that as a belief about ourselves and that's where the healing needs to take place not only a release of the trauma of the 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 energy that's been bound up in our body, the, the the emotion been trapped, but also the ways that we've come to believe about ourselves that we're not good or we're not lovable or we're dirty or we're bad or tainted. And that's something my experience that Jesus does in a way that no one else can do. It's he's the one who's able to set us free. And so everyone has experienced some sort of trauma. Yes. Right. And so it's easy to think that trauma is like major events happening. But when you talk about the the A trauma, those could be words that a caregiver, uh, a mother or a father, a teacher, a friend, someone said at kindergarten or first grade or growing up that you've internalized and created your identity out of. Yep. Every, every one of us experiences that at some level. Right. And it doesn't mean anything's wrong. It doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. It's just a matter of recognizing where some of your thought patterns come from and tracing it back to the roots and then being open to allowing Jesus to heal it. Yep. And releasing right. the person who said the words. And, and forgiveness. And, and we're able to forgive once we've experienced that level of healing. Yeah, I, one of the things that I say often is every one of us needs healing. Uh, otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have come for all of us. We need healing from our own sin, but from the sins of others around us. 
So when you said earlier, the first step is recognizing, like being brave enough to step into that area. And so many times people say things and don't understand how you're going to internalize them. Um, People don't intend to hurt you by their words, but just recognizing how it's impacted you and what you've taken from it and created in your life, it's so freeing to let it go. Oh, it is. Uh, it's, it opens up a whole new capacity to receive love and to give love, which is what, the whole purpose of our life and to worship God. Absolutely. So as we wrap up, will you tell us a little bit about the Healing the Whole Person Retreat and the the day of equipping. I know that you offer these retreats around the country for people who are listening outside of the, the Nashville area. Yes. In, in Nashville, we're going to be in colors. We'll be there to do a priest retreat on the 6th and then the 7th, 8th, and 9th. There's the healing of the whole person in the evening, the 7th and 8th, the 9th. Again, we'll be in Portland uh, later in the year and also down in Austin uh, later this year. Um, and also a marriage conference in, in Denver. And so basically, first of all, the, the, the other speakers besides me, Sister Miriam James, who most of the people in the church know and love, she's just such a gift and speaks. I had the honor of interviewing her during Lent. She's yeah. amazing. She is amazing. And as you also met my brother Bart, who, uh, has great storyteller and also teaches people how to enter in to opening to the Holy Spirit. That's his day of equipping that he does. Right. And being able to hear from God and learn how to pray with each other and understanding what the grace of confirmation is. Uh, and so for the three days, the first day is just looking at this bigger picture of the healing that we need and who Jesus is. And then the second day, uh, facing our brokenness, both our areas of sin and our woundedness. And it's giving language to that and helping unpack that. And the third day, uh, the, the morning on Saturday is encountering the Father's love, which is where the focus of a lot of the healing takes place. And then living in freedom, which is a lot of tools for how do we live this out in our daily life. And so it's a very powerful conference. Uh, we've just been doing it for years and just so many beautiful things we see happen in those three days. Dr. Bob, thank you for being here. I appreciate you sharing um, from your years of experience and wisdom working in the healing ministry. As we close, would you lead us in a prayer? I sure will. Thank you, Jenny, for what you do, for the healing that you're bringing to so many. Thank you. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we just praise and thank you that You never give up on us even when we lose hope and that you're merciful and compassionate and gracious, which means that you're constantly pouring out your love to us, no matter what we've done, no matter what's been done to us. I just pray for each person who's listening that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would begin a movement of joy, of life, of freedom, of healing and hope for each one of us. We pray this all in and through the powerful and beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.
All right, friends, thank you for joining me this week. I will put the link to the JP2 Healing Center in the show notes, and you can click on there and find information if you're interested in attending the conference in Colliersville in September, or you can see what other opportunities are available. Dr. Bob, thank you again for joining me. Thank you, Jenny. All right, friends, stay happy, healthy, and holy, and I will see you again next week. God bless. For more information on Catholic Moms in the Middle or to set up your complimentary Moms in the Middle mentoring session, go to catholicmomsinthemiddle.com or find me on Facebook at Catholic Moms in the Middle for even more encouragement and support as you embrace this next season of life. The music for this podcast was written by Sean Williams, Catholic composer and musician. You'll find more of Sean's original music at musicbyshawnwilliams.com. That is musicbyshawn, S-H-A-W-N, williams.com. 